Sisters podcast with Nicole and John Allen. Welcome back to another episode of the Radical Awareness podcast. And today we're going to be talking basically about the work of a woman named Sherry Mitchell. I'm going to read from her book, Sacred Instructions, and that's going to kick us off into a discussion around individualism, collectivism, mm. etc. Just kind of how um, truth, <laughs> profound truth and love and the, the foundations of reality can get kind of derailed uh, by those who would like to maintain power um, and continue the structures of corruption that we currently live in. So it's really interesting. And we were actually doing a course through Embody Lab, uh, big ups to them. It was a somatic trauma integrated training. I might've got that wrong. Um, and Sherry Mitchell was one of the presenters and she blew my mind. I loved her. She spoke so beautifully, um, ordered her book right away and have been reading it. And it's like poetry with the most integrity ever. She is, uh, uh, American Indian and is is a lawyer and just her words, her insight, her understanding, her connection to her family and ancestors is truly, truly so inspiring um, to read in her work and just her presence in the world. So yeah, now that we've started doing interviews, we're also doing book reviews. <laughs> uh, so, But I mean, if you do hear this, Sherry, we'd love to have you on um, and chat more. Oh my gosh, she's, I just I loved her straight away. Amazing, amazing woman. Um, so the part we're reading is actually called The Myth of Separation and John's going to be Merida because sometimes I'm a little bit dyslexic. The Myth of Separation. Sherry Mitchell. So just as a side note, um, on the cover of the book, Sacred Instructions, uh, Sherry has her name in her um, native language and excuse me for not attempting to um, pronounce it correctly but it's translated for me um, and it says she who brings the light so allow she her enlightenment on these subjects to um, bring some interest into your listening pleasure today so the myth of separation is at the heart of the lies that we've been fed. And it supports all of the power structures that we have created. This illusion causes us to forget that we are connected to one another and to a divine source, which is embodied through us and put into action in the world around us. When we forget this truth and embrace the lie, it becomes possible for us to be at war with one another and to be at war within ourselves. Over the last two millennia, the illusion of separation has been wrapped up in numerous ideological disguises. One of those disguises is the Western idea of rugged individualism. Here, the lie is cloaked in romantic stories about conquering the frontier. This leads us to believe that success is measured by our ability to plow through any obstacle to obtain personal wealth and recognition for our accomplishments at all costs. This belief supports the framework for endless cycles of competition, judgment, and condemnation. As a result, we have become isolated inside our individualized selves, cut off from one another, disconnected from the natural world, and unresponsive to the calls of the divine. 
We have stopped caring for one another. We have forgotten that we belong to one another and that we are responsible for one another's well-being. This forgetting has become a very real threat to our survival as human beings. The reason that our humanoid species was able to survive into the modern day was not because we began engaging in war. It was because we learned to cooperate, collaborate, and live communally. Our lives were lived circularly with an unending flow of reciprocal sharing and an emphasis on survival of the whole. During our race into the modern age, we have lost track of that basic truth. Instead, we have become isolated in our individual silos, beholden to hierarchical structures, false caste systems, and illusory senses of superiority. We have been separated from one another and from the sources of our survival by ever-increasing technological barriers that were designed to improve our lives, but only led to more separation and further degradation of our humanity. Our sense of value, once aligned with life, has been fully invested in the capitalistic model that places profit above all other considerations, even our survival as a species. It is now imperative that we remember the foundations of our survival. Our capacity to continue living is once again dependent on our ability to cooperate with one another, to address the great challenges that we face, to work collaboratively to find solutions to the violence that permeates our planet and to live communally, to share resources and reduce the amount of waste that we are creating. We must wake from this illusion and put an end to the madness that is driving us. Our rates of consumption and addiction to more are suicidal. In our mythology, we have a name for the madness that has overtaken us. We call it the Great Dance of the Cannibal Giant. There is a character in Wabanaki mythology named Kiwok, the Cannibal Giant. He is known to the other native cultures, though they call him by different names. One, uh, sorry, to several of the Plains tribes, he is known as Watiko. The Ojibwe call him Wadingo. He is, he is a cannibalistic spirit that feeds on greed, excess, and unchecked consumption. Kiwok resides deep in the forest, insulated from the disturbances of the outer world. He remains there, peacefully asleep, until the cries of the Earth Mother awaken him. Kiwok has only one task, to protect the Earth Mother from being destroyed by mankind. Once he is awakened, he infects mankind with a spiritual illness, an illness that affects the mind and leads to the suicidal path of endless consumption. The Earth Mother calls to Kiwok when the people of the Earth begin consuming faster than she can produce, and when she is being damaged faster than she can heal. Kiwok lulls humanity into a trance-like dance of mindless consumption. Then he quickens the pace until our dance becomes frenzied, eventually dancing us to our destruction. He does this so the Earth Mother can heal and renew herself. Our elders tell us that Kiwok is awake and humanity is infected by his disease. If left unchecked, this illness will destroy all human life. There is only one way for us to stop this dance with Kiwok and put him back to sleep, and that is for us to wake up. Our stories tell us that humanity has reached this point several times before. We are told that we are living in the fourth world. Four times we have reached the point of destruction and four times we have failed to reverse our course. We are now facing the same crossroad we have faced in the past. Will we dance ourselves to our death or will we end our destructive movement and walk back towards survival? The choice is ours to make. Mm. 
Great words. Even though I just read it. It's just so good to hear it again. Um, so fascinating stuff. So they say we're in the fourth world, right? How many great floods have we had, John? Three. <laughs> this would be the fourth, the fourth world. Makes sense. Um, definitely the stories correlate over. So what's really fascinating is this whole idea of how we're how we're consuming and this kind of um, fixation on on the greater good. And she's talking a lot about collectivism, right? Of coming back into collaboration and community and cooperation and the the, the essence of what mother earth is actually all about what nature is about what we are inherently about most of us do want to support each other and the animals and the land and we feel full and we feel vibrant when we do so um and so that gets correlated into this idea of of doing something for the greater good but it's it's fascinating the perception of words you know when we say <laughs> what individualism is or, or what collectivism is and true to me and my understanding of this you know true collectivism is actually as you grow as you go through the stages of your sort of biological aging i don't know um from child to teen to adult is is that you you turn inward first right you hear the stories you do the learning you know you you, you gain the knowledge the connection to the earth the connection to yourself right because we are her children we are the earth we are much more connected so we have to know who we are first and we connect to that, we connect to our values, which is within ourselves and our kind of wider communities. And then in doing that, we're able to filter through our own awareness and then we connect with the wider group and the wider group than that and the wider than that, right? So whether it's your community and then in the sense, I don't know, like the city and the country and, and the whole world, um, but it's always coming from kind of sort of your, your heart, right? Yourself first and then collecting to the whole, which means that you're not compromising your values there is a collective understanding of the values and the way that we uh, contribute and collaborate together and so the this the the truth that she's speaking that's been around for thousands of years is kind of derailed by let's say that i think on our last podcast annalise referred to them as the dark magicians um I talk about the kind of elite or these corporations we could say that are controlling our world sort of jump on the side of this to be like yeah yeah this is what we're doing it's for the greater good you know we're going to have a global community this great reset when we move into the new normal when we have a one world government and a one world currency and one world laws and policing and all of these things as if that was um being more community-based and collaborative and that that's collectivism no that's communism different um that the the sense of really if we look at um i don't think the word she used for individualism but it's kind of like this this very aggressive take on it of um pushing everyone else out of the way and that's that's not really what it's it's about but that's what they are doing in the sense of even what's happening what we're seeing with the pandemic right it's it's the elite or these top people these top corporations whether it's government or whatever you want to call it it is a dictatorship where they're saying well this is what we want we're not going to look at anyone else's opinion we're not going to listen we're not going to consider any other sides we're going to suppress information and we're going to tell you all what to do and we're going to say that it's for the greater good but nobody else is involved in in what takes place mm. and the democracy has been taken out of mm. the situation and marketing um very much plays a part in convincing people that they are 
voting for the people who hold their values. And there is a wonderful masquerade going on that the left wing or the right wing has the exact right answer <laughs> for whatever the, the future holds. No wing has the right answer, in my mm. most humble opinion. You know, yeah, Especially if you are at the tips of the wing, you are the furthest you can get from the centre and what's at the centre. If you reach your arms out right now and look at your fingertips and then trace your fingertips right back to the centre, what's at the centre is your heart. So if you're all the way out on the left wing or all the way out on the right wing, you are so far from the heart centre that you have lost perspective on what community means, what coming back to centre, coming back to heart, coming mm. back to the community is all about. Mm, because the community, right, like this idea of being in community is about, it's also about the individuals. You don't disappear in that. You're not compromised. You're not destroyed. You're looked after. You're held in reverence as an individual who belongs to a community, to a collective, and that both of those things are actually held in balance. But now we're being told, compromise this, doesn't matter if you die because we're doing it for the greater good, doesn't matter if you get hurt, we're not going to help you, and then let's shame and, and hurt each other if we're not all agreeing. That's not holding sacred reverence for the individual or for the collective. And you know what's also quite fascinating, I find, is that she's referring to, you know, what, what, Kaiwak, Kaiwak, was that the? Please continue. Yes, yes the, the cannibal giant, basically. Keywalk. Keywalk, thank you, um, as saying, you know, we'll re release this sort of spiritual illness where we are living in this kind of consumption and materialism, which obviously we all know that we very much, for most of us, are born into it. It's, it's pretty prevalent. And but in what's the yoga tradition, they call mm. it the Kali Yuga, mm. very much the same condition. So this is not um, an exclusive to this part of the world understanding. No, it's very... Um, globally accepted and, un and understood and it's it's crazy the way we live really and what we feel like we need to survive or to be happy or or what a good time is you know that that we've forgotten who we are and that what we're connected to which leads to so much isolation so much depression so much sadness right and, and just this uh, a real sense of abandonment that we actually have fundamentally uh because We've forgotten where we're from. We've forgotten what we're connected to. We're connected to everything. And there's, so there's joy in everything. But if you look at uh, this idea of, of consumption and taking, um, and then the solution, right, for the so-called pandemic is keep taking, keep consuming currently vaccines. Everything else has been, if you've been listening to people like Joe Rogan's podcast, if you've been reading um, the real Anthony Fauci book, if you understand what is actually going on in the world right now, uh, you know that all of the preventative measures for, for COVID have been kind of wiped out and suppressed and censored. And all they're doing is pushing more consumption of, of vaccination, right? This consume, 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 buy, 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 more, more, more. We need this. We need to keep taking more billions of dollars drugs and, and then you think even with masks right how often are you walking down the beach right now and see like five masks sitting in the ocean or, or sitting the on the sand on the street. gutter on the street it's like even for a health crisis that mother earth has absolutely got us got our back all it's providing is more consumption right get more apps there's more posters up there's more paper being used there's more marketing everything in this pandemic has been more consumption right? Creating more waste. 
and just not leaning into any ancient wisdom, not leaning into any um, preventative care or actually looking after people at all. In fact, the opposite. It's like leading with do harm first. And it's crazy, you know, if you haven't got to that point, if you think that what's going on is just a really normal response to to public health, then I'm super sorry to inform you, but that is is, is not the truth of what's actually going on. And uh, it makes sense just reading that passage of, of course, you know, this is now the global manifestation of the, the dire situation that we're in. And so we think solution-based, you know, how do we, how do we move forward? What is, what are we looking at here? It's like, we can get so caught up in, okay, I'm, I'm not going to use the, the plastic bag or I'm, you know, I'm going to use less rubbish and that stuff's all great. I'm not saying anything against that, but What's super important as well is to understand how individualism and collectivism is being derailed and used or weaponized against us to make us do things that aren't actually in alignment with ourselves. To say, even though something feels wrong for me, I'm going to push that down because I've got to do it for the greater good. Because this is all there is. We aren't, we're thinking in such a small time frame. We're focusing on, oops, our little puppy is sick. We're focusing on um, just this, this moment or the, these few weeks or this year or even the next sort of five years and not looking beyond to the future generations. And, you know, we get called selfish for our choices, but I'm like, are you crazy? Like we're being excluded from society right now. How is this selfish at all? But, you know, believe what you want to believe. Um, to actually stand for truth and stand against tyranny to say, hey, this isn't just about us and our little human existence here. This is about our children and children's children and children's children's children, right, going into the future. Um, and that is actually true collectivism. That is actually truly for the greater good of all beings. So that's obviously just my opinion on it. And of course I'm a human, so I'm, I'm selfish as anybody else. And I'm a bit of a dickhead and all those things. And I lose my shit all the time and, and get angry. And, and that's, that's okay. But there's so much in our world due to the corrupt nature of sort of the top tier of society that things are very inverted and they take beautiful concepts and people like there were these philosophies and ideas that live in all of our ancient cultures and try and bring in this kind of trickery to use them for their advantage to get us to do something that's to push their agenda, which, you know, depending on how much you know about it, you know, there's a lot of very open discussion from these people about depopulation and actually culling the population to save the earth. That's, I don't, there's no part of me that thinks that is any kind of solution in alignment with a benevolent universe, you know? It's like... It shows no trust in mm. our great mother. It shows that they believe they are more powerful than the great mother mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that the great mother has no ability to heal herself which is completely untrue and this wonderful indigenous wisdom of the idea that the mother releases this uh, force this this key walk to come and take over that 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 is also coming from the mother not because she needs protection 
but that she knows that the system itself has gotten out of balance. Uh, there's no weakness in this. This isn't mm. um, our great mother asking for a savior. Now, She's more like, oh, my dear ones, or well, we haven't been listening. We're going to yeah. try again because we're all eternal beings, right? It's not, there is no end to it, even if we do all perish, but it doesn't have to be like that. It really doesn't have to be like that. And so many indigenous cultures are very aware of this. And if you are listening from from New Zealand, um, you may understand the the concepts of the native peoples of this land, the Māori and the other native peoples. Um, they use a system of basically resting areas, of putting areas um, under rahui, or some some have called it tapu as well. These areas that become sacred places for a time where no harvesting is happening, no harvesting from the forests, no harvesting from the oceans, no harvesting from these places to allow them to regenerate. And it, it's basically the same concept as crop rotation and that we know that our mother, um, this beautiful Papatunuku or Mother Earth or Pachamama or whatever you want to call her, Gaia, that she has this innate capacity to regenerate if we give her the space to do it. Um, and so there's a level of demand that we can place on her to a point and then she needs the rest time. And so right now what is being asked of humanity may simply just be some rest time rather than having to go through this constant consumption, consumption. We're not going to consume our way out of an excess consumption problem. So wise, John. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, we're not going to consume our way out. It's kind of funny though, you know, it's like, have you ever had a moment where you're really, you're full, like you've, you've overeaten and then you're like, I think that if I just have like this thing, like this orange or like mm. some sorbet, then the palate. I might feel better. And then you, you do that and you're like, oh, I just feel worse. But maybe if I just have some more water, I might feel better. And it's this hilarious thing where it's like, literally the word for it is I'm full, right? Don't you think that like less is the counter to that and stopping eating is probably the thing to do to feel better. But even though we know this, that it is logical to us, I know for myself so many times in this way, I've just done the, the opposite of like, oh, but that might work on this special occasion. And it's just, it takes a sense of awareness and wisdom mm. to know when to stop and to, to be like, oh, okay, I've gone too far. And now I've, I've got to kind of admit that. And it's got to be a sense of radical honesty and awareness um, to then make a change, to kind of, you know, do a U-turn or turn in a different direction, which when we're in these kind of addictive cycles, it's really hard to do that. And our society is in a very addictive cycle. Like I have days where I'm like, I just need to go online and buy stuff. Where is that coming from? What is that trying to appease? And, you know, these ideas, these ideologies really speak to that, right? They're, but they don't get us out of the issue that we're in. They don't. They don't. They're deeply rooted in the way that we do things. It's like you need this for that. How many times have you started a new interest or hobby by consuming a lot more. One of my um, uh, 
I can't remember actually who, who said it to me, but uh, it's a wonderful statement of, of getting all the gear but no idea. You know? And you just go out True. and buy, buy all the things in preparation to starting the hobby. And, and by the time you're, if you stick with it, by the time you're kind of, you know, a month, two months, three months, maybe six months into learning about this new thing you're interested in, you realize that you only need maybe less than 10% of all of those things that you bought, all of those accessories. But we're all looking for the accessory, the thing that's going to... Give me that feeling, John. The feeling. I mean, guys, we teach yoga. The reason I wanted to, I was like, what a great thing to do because I could just go anywhere and all I would need is my body. That's how I started. Now, once you get it, it's like, oh, yes, but I definitely need like 17 different types of um, really expensive leggings and I'll need a mat for every condition. And I, well, I need blocks and a strap and maybe some weird gloves or a certain type of sock. And a wheel. I need a wheel. um, I need to tie my hair up in a certain way. And and then you go anywhere. It's, oh, I need that kind of like onesie jumpsuit that seems necessary. That's definitely going to make a difference. (laughs) This particular haircut, yeah, that will make a difference. And shoes, even though I don't, you know, don't do yoga and shoes, it's definitely shoes. Shoes that go with my leggings to yeah. get to the studio. You know, I need certain pants to actually get me to the place I'm going to practice the yoga. Um, it's very fascinating. And hey, Isn't I am here. How, Hook, line, how, and sinker, baby. How often people turn up in their sports shoes for yoga. So true. I need to take them off. <laughs> Only to take them off. The sport shoe. Isn't it interesting? How many people own sport shoes but don't play any sport? Mm. You know? I mean, I own like clothes that I'd go out and I never go out, right? <laughs> How fun is it to buy them though? So fun. So this is not judging. It's more judging myself uh, with all the love and, and compassion in the world because we were all born to the system. And when you think about it, like, oh, we're under this kind of spell, right? Of like, can we can we come back to our heart enough to recognize that we are the problem, which means we are the solution. If we sit there and we're projecting it out of ourselves to say the problem is over there, then we have absolutely no power to change it. It's like we talk about the kind of this idea of the elite or the dark magicians. Mm. Um, absolutely, right? There is a dictatorship. There is some some unbalanced corrupt shit going An on. Oligarchy, if you will. Yes, but... It's also every single individual is also that within themselves and within their small, um, let's say, communities or family units. And we're all kind of playing this game. We're in this dance, you know, between the sort of the shadow and the light, the dark and the light constantly. And that is the essence of the game we're playing here. So it's fascinating. You have to be able to recognize that you are also the problem. Or, I mean, we see this so often. There's just so much righteousness and not the good kind of righteousness we'll talk about that but this righteousness of like oh yeah you're all the the bad ones and i'm good because i just sit over here i'm like whoa one of the most dangerous places you can be is to be that arrogant or ignorant Mm. (laughs) yeah now yes john not to get carried away to the point where (laughs) (laughs) to the point where you deprive yourself Mm. of things in a martyrdom kind of way. No, for any of those who know us, know that we definitely don't deprive ourselves of anything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think there's an interesting and very important interplay between personal responsibility and corporate responsibility. 
mm-hmm. because so often, uh, particularly from a governmental level uh, and the environmental movement really does have a lot to answer for in creating a lot of guilt. So guilt to try and create behavior change. And I understand that it's it's kind of well-meaning marketing. It's like, well, if we just stop people from consuming, there won't be a problem. Um, but if we're under this keywalk spell, being able to prevent ourselves from consuming is almost impossible, you might say. But the way that everything is designed is that there's a lot of corporations at the top that are responsible for a massive, massive percentage of the environmental problem. In fact, um, Nicole's got a a few little statistics here. We're just going to start with a CNN quote. um, It's just a French edit, you know, on on the face. And uh, it's a CNN quote that says, Are you scared? Scared by the new report on climate change? Here's what you can do to help. Eat less meat. About 30%. Swap your car or plane ride for a bus or train. Use a, a smart thermostat in your home. And the whole post that someone shared, like a little meme, has someone commenting underneath it, which says, Reminder that 100 corporations are responsible for 71% of the global greenhouse gas emissions and presenting the crisis as a moral failing on the part of the individuals without noting this fact is journalistic malpractice. And it's interesting, right? Because... We get really angry with this. You know, you go and get a coffee and it's like, it's just a day where you get a takeaway cup, right? Like even admitting it, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, oh, I got a takeaway cup. And, um, you know, you're walking around and you're kind of getting like the, the, the those looks like, oh, you're one of them. You just hate the planet and you want everyone to die. You're probably not getting the looks, but you think you're getting the looks. As a little side note, please continue. So true. But you, it's because you're giving yourself the looks, right? Like that level of judgment of, oh my gosh, I forgot my keep cup, whatever. Um, but it's, I'm not saying we should all go out tomorrow and get cups and just throw it away and kind of laugh at our like, oh, I'm going to use whatever I want. But what John's touching on is the guilt is even more destructive mm. because it keeps you out of your center, right? You're kind of hanging out on these these low vibrational emotions. That guilt's great because the, the, the actual mechanism of guilt is to give you the signal, the surge of energy through your body to be like, oh, hey, that doesn't align with your highest truth. You might want to do something different next time. Mm. That is the sole purpose of guilt. But the way we have grown up and been raised and we have not been taught what its purpose is properly, we just all sit in it. And I mean, I've had a family member say to me, like, you should just feel guilty all the time. That's how you should feel because you're bad. <laughs> I'm like, um, that that's not going to help anyone. It's not going to help you. It's not solution-based, guys. It's not solution-based. It's called mean, right? It's like it's not nice. It's not helpful. It's not kind. But it's not. And so often, I sit there and be like, yeah, but what's the solution? Like, what would you like me to do? How can I then move forward from this? How can we grow? But it's like, no, I want you to sit in that really gross place where you just hate on yourself. Well, let me inform you that if you sit in that gross place, you just create more of the shit you don't want to see in the world. That's what happens. And guilt spiraling out of control is one of the worst things you can live in. And I think all of us can probably relate to that. So there's this constant thing, again, coming from that kind of hierarchy saying that it's the individual who's caused this. And isn't it funny? You can see the projection here that when it's coming down from the top and you're projecting it onto the individual, it's because they are individualists. Yeah, they are out for themselves, 
professing that they're all about collectivism and the greater good, but when you're not taking equal responsibility for everything, when you're not actually making change for all beings everywhere, you are based in corrupt individualism. Yeah, whatever we want to call it, where it's like it's um, self-preservation and this idea that it's like just put yourself first and push anybody else out of the way. And that's how that's how our structure, our structure, sorry, our society is actually structured from the top down mm. is self-preservation first. So if you're already at the top, the whole ideology underneath that is make sure you stay at the top and don't worry about the ones who haven't got there. That's their own fault for not being successful. Social you don't Darwinism, have to worry about it. you might say. Yeah. So when they're then professing, we've all got to go out and get vaccinated for the greater good. You know, you know, there's another agenda going on because their whole premise is self-preservation. You start connecting these dots. It's like, ooh, that's alarming. <laughs> it is alarming. So, yeah, little little, little digress there, eh, Johnny? Yeah. I think it was a very important digression to mm-hmm. kind of to, to bring it all in mm-hmm. and, and and the thing that you can do as the individual, and you may be one of the individuals who ends up accidentally maybe judging the person with the paper cup <laughs> or judging the person who doesn't actually quite know which bin to put the rubbish in and guys they just don't know they that that that's a thing that uh might be considered ignorance but it uh it might just be the fact that it's very overwhelming the amount of plastics and it's very confusing that with this plastic goes with that plastic and i think it's confusing by design and the, so much the, rubbish shame eh? oh. the fact that even if you do get it right, chances are that bag may get contaminated to the point where it ends up in landfill anyway. So we could go down an entire massive rabbit hole about the the uh, the whole conspiracy around rubbish guilt. And the whole fact that the corporations don't take any responsibility. They give you all this packaging. They don't tell you what to do with it and they don't take it back. But that's a different podcast. <laughs> that is a different podcast. But I think... Um, what I want to do is invite this opportunity to to not get irritated, frustrated, and attack your fellow man. Attack your brothers and sisters. Yeah, just just kind of sit with it in a in a different way and go, ah, they know not what they do, mm. and that there is a level of 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 that that you can you can hold in your heart rather than going at someone. And I'm going to kind of going to read us a little quote from Ramdas that touches on this and only wraps it all up in a nice little package, maybe. Oh, yeah. So when you, this is the quote begins now. <laughs> when you go out into the woods and you look at trees, you see all these different trees. And some of them are bent and some of them are straight and some of them are evergreens and some of them are whatever. And you look at the tree and you allow it. You see why it is the way it is. You sort of understand that it didn't get enough light and so it turned out that way. And you don't get all emotional about it. You just allow it. You appreciate the tree. Now, the minute you get near humans, you lose all that. And you are constantly saying, you're to this or I'm to this. That judging mind comes in. And so... The invitation from Randas is to practice turning people into trees, as he says, which means appreciating them just the way they are. It's a very lovely quote. 
Thanks, Ramdas. Thanks, John, for reading it. Oh, and thank all of you for being here and listening to us again. I feel very I'll say privileged again and lucky to have such a beautiful wee little audience of humans who are just so lovely yes. <laughs> and living in such truth. It's beautiful. And thank you to all of you, so many of you, for all of the wonderful feedback after our first and second um, foray into the world of the interview podcast. And because uh, the reception has been so glowing, mm. we are going to continue in that vein and Guys, Many we have people lined up like three more this month. So really excited to share with you all of the, the magic and insights from just from different people doing amazing things. Mm. So yeah, stay tuned. Yes. And if you are interested in, um, in sharing, if you have something to share, if you're, if you're really pumped about what we've been talking about and you feel like you've got something to add to this collective story this collective learning this collective understanding then we would love to hear from you so do get in touch but in the meantime if you enjoyed this episode of course drop us a like subscribe to the podcast share it around and many many thanks for listening we love you and thank you bye Bye-bye. The, the Radical, Radical Awareness, Awareness Podcast. Podcast.